Hi, this is Dave Trout, founder of UTR Media. And before we get the show started, since we're in the last few weeks of the year, I thought we could take a moment to reflect on uh, the state of the UTR Union. And I, I look back at 2017 as a, an amazing year. God has done incredible things. It's been a year of transition for us. Um, we went through a creative relaunch, rebranding. Uh, we have um, five new podcasts, new high quality videos, blogs, uh, great downloads, as well as um, a new website and a new name, UTR Media. Um, and so I think that now that we've gone through a lot of that transition time, 2018 is poised to be our biggest and best year of ministry. And we want to be at full capacity and full strength moving forward. Um, you can actually help us do that during our special month called Build-A-Thon 2017. November 24th through December 24th, we're setting aside that time to you know, post reflections and some testimonies and some, you know, just celebration of what God has done through the ministry, but also invite you to become a participant, to get on the support team, to help fuel the ministry moving forward. You can do that through one-time or monthly recurring gifts. With your generosity, you can help us serve music audiences and music indie artists better than we've ever done before. You can look for more information about Buildathon 2017 at our website, utrmedia.org. Now, enjoy the show. If we empty ourselves of everything and allow God to be present, then it's no longer us. It's him. Then it becomes a spiritual thing. And that which is born of the spirit is spirit. And uh, that's when I think Christianity really begins to make sense. Rich Mullins has impacted countless lives, mostly through his music, but also through the way he lived his life. He also was a poignant teacher, always willing to share about his relationship with a God that, when Rich talked, seemed like he was talking about a friend that you could reach out and touch. I hope I would leave a legacy of joy, a legacy of uh, real compassion, of, because I think there is a great joy in real compassion. I don't think that you can know joy apart from caring deeply about people, caring enough about people that you actually do something. I didn't know Rich personally, but there was something about his music, his life, his teachings that continues to leave a huge mark on me personally. Even the echoes of his life and words still to this day continues to shape the way I view God and the way I pursue a relationship with Jesus. My ambition to be a, a good guy is a fleshly ambition. And when Christ calls us to take up our cross and follow him, a lot of us think that what that means is we're supposed to lay down our vices and we're supposed to cling to virtues. But I think that unless Christ is Lord of our virtues, our virtues become dangerous to us and dangerous to the people around us. In early 2017, I found myself revisiting old clips of Rich being interviewed or sharing some teachings and once again felt my heart pricked by the Spirit. There was this one part that, well, I don't know how else to say it. It rocked me to the core. But I, I have a feeling like 
if my life is motivated by my ambition to leave a legacy, what I'll probably leave as a legacy is ambition. Well, this is one thing Rich and I have in common. I also consider myself a pretty ambitious person. I'm not sure I could launch a nonprofit ministry and help it grow without some level of ambition. I even remember telling my wife that I think my ambition and work ethic is a good example to my kids, something about me they will always remember and maybe want to emulate. I think there's a word for that, legacy. But if my life is, is motivated by the power of the Spirit in me, if I live in the awareness of the indwelling Christ, if I allow His presence to uh, guide my actions, to guide my motives, those sorts of things, that's the only time I think that we really leave a great legacy. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. This hit me between the eyes. A legacy of ambition is fleeting. Even a legacy of good virtue is fleeting. The only thing that will last is a legacy of the Spirit. Is that how I'm living? I've been asking myself this question all year long. I think that when Christ calls us to take up our cross, what he means is you must die not only to whatever vices are in your life, which he will eventually kill out. You must also die to whatever virtues are in your life. Your life is, no, is not valuable because you're an articulate speaker. Your life is not valuable because you're a generous person. Your life is not valuable because of any of that. That if we empty ourselves of everything and allow God to be present, then it's no longer us. It's him. Then it becomes a spiritual thing. And that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. And uh, that's when I think Christianity really begins to make sense. Another thing that Rich and I have in common, at the time I'm recording this podcast, I'm the exact age of Rich at the time that he died. 41 years and 11 months. I always thought of Rich as an old guy. I guess in my teen years, everyone over the age of 30 seemed old. But even to listen to some of his profound teaching moments on YouTube and think, man, he was only in his early 30s when he said that. Or, wow, he was only in his mid-20s when he wrote that amazingly profound song. And Rich aged hard in his final years. He almost seemed grandfatherly to me. I was 21 at the time he died. I certainly knew that it was an unexpected and premature death, but he also seemed light years ahead of us in terms of his faith in God and his hope in the gospel. He was Gandalf and Rafiki and Obi-Wan Kenobi swirled together. It seemed like he thought on another level. And now, at 41 years and 11 months old, and 20 years after his death, he is still teaching me, still leading me home. From UTR Media, I'm Dave Trout, and this is Release Date.
like I was once, crying in the early morning. You was born in a stable, Lord. Read memorials where I was born. They wrapped you in swaddling clothes. Either dressed in baby blue. Well, I was 12 years old in the meeting house, listening to the old men pray. I was trying hard to figure out what it was that they was trying to say. There you were in the temple. Said you weren't old enough to know the things you knew Did you grow up hungry? Did you grow up fast? Did the little girls giggle when you walked past? Did you wonder what it was that made them laugh? And did they tell you stories about the saints of old? Stories about their faith? They say stories like that make a boy grow bold Stories like that make a man walk straight yeah. And I really may just grow up And be like you That was Jason Gray's version of the 1991 Rich Mullins song, Boy Like Me, Man Like You, recorded by CCM Magazine. Stay tuned in future episodes. Jason becomes a part of the story in the making of the Rich Mullins tribute album. In February of 2017, I took a trip to Nashville. I had a few things I wanted to accomplish, but the biggest on my list was to gain some forward momentum on this album. And we did see some strong steps forward, but also some unexpected setbacks. First up, a meeting with Andrew Greer and Rich's earliest publicist, Randy Cox. So Randy Cox, of course, had been a part of the book in that he contributed these songs that we were reprinting in them, early Rich songs. I, again, I, I never had a full handle on Randy, totally even what his contribution was. In general, you know, I was, I was always trying to figure that out, but definitely was intrigued by some rich songs that at first I thought had never been heard. Now know they have been heard in different formats. And so I started thinking, oh, could the UTR record, Rich Tribute record, help highlight some of those and give it really a talking point too, of like, here's some songs that have never been officially recorded by Rich or whatever. And so I wanted to to really hook you guys up Um to have Randy, Dave, me, you know, yeah. all three of us in the same space to really work out, is there possibility here? What is the possibility? Do we even want there to be possibility? Uh, and so then we met. I was nervous. I'm not an industry guy. So meeting with Randy felt like a big deal to me. He was way more connected than I was and seemed to already have some things at work with these updated versions of what he called some of Rich's unfinished songs. I later learned that wasn't 100% accurate. These songs were finished pieces by Rich, but never found their way onto one of his records. Uh, Randy's a smart guy. I think that he knew he would have a hard time finding a market for these songs if he said they were rewrites. <laughs> to some diehard music fans, tweaking the lyrics and melodies of a legendary deceased songwriter is stepping on sacred turf. So Randy knew calling them unfinished songs would 
be a better marketing move. I also learned prior to this meeting that his album of new versions of these demo songs of Rich Mullins was something that's been in the works for years. It had already been turned down by some record labels, and the Ragamuffin band kind of dissed the idea too. But to be fair, Randy had the blessing of the Mullins family to make these tweaks, so nothing illegal was happening. I wanted to hear him out. Maybe it was the right play for UTR. I remember after we met with Randy, there was kind of an initial feeling of, one, not needing to worry about, you know, we were interested in who's taking up what space. There was the Jimmy A. Beg Be Gods project. I thought there might be this Randy Cox project. There was going to be a UTR project. It seemed at one point in time there was a lot of things swirling. So really part of the meeting with Randy for me was clarification. The summary of our meeting. We had a great conversation. Everything was 100% cordial. But it also became clear that my vision and Randy's vision didn't have much overlap. We needed to pursue two different paths. My immediate immediate feeling afterwards and kind of intuition was, one, there was not an album in the works at all, maybe a song, which actually that song has come to fruition, Um, but that we would not need to worry. It felt like a separation rather than a marriage. You know, I think we were coming into the meeting wondering if there was a marriage. I think it was fairly clear that it was separate and there was no need to worry about real estate and all that, and I I really think no need to worry about working with Randy specifically to some degree. The meeting in that Starbucks ended and Randy left, but Andrew and I stayed behind and asked, what next? You know, we we were trying to charter our path, not knowing what entirely the path was, and with yeses and with noes, it helps define the path. And so knowing we didn't need to worry about Randy slash let him do his thing, we do ours at separate, kind of, gave us even more definition in our path. And I think that included the fact that the tribute record would be more of a tribute record. It looked like we might be back to the original scrappy pig pen style of indie album, but I knew it needed help to make it to the finish line. While nursing an empty cup of macchiato, I asked Andrew if he'd like to be the producer on the album. And he enthusiastically said yes. We still didn't have much money, $3,400 from the Kickstarter funds, but we got a boost from Crosswinds Church in Chicago, my home congregation. One of their end-of-the-year mission initiatives at the end of 2016 was to give UTR Media a $1,000 grant, but they wanted me to pick a project it would go towards. So I chose our Rich Mullins tribute, and now we were up to $4,400 to work with. Andrew literally pulled out his calculator and notes app and started mocking out a bare-bones budget based on our nest egg of funds. We started dreaming up which artists we could ask to be a part. This was exciting. It was the exact forward momentum I was looking for. This tribute project not only seemed quite doable, but now with a professional producer on board, a stronger vision, and a boatload of optimism, we were full speed ahead. After the break, our boatload of optimism 
hits an iceberg. This UTR Media Podcast is brought to you in part by the latest release from critically acclaimed artist Sarah Groves. Abide With Me is a new collection of classic hymns by Sarah Groves, recorded at Art House North. The new album by Sarah Groves, Abide With Me, is available now at iTunes or at sarahgroves.com. Available now, live at Escape to the Lake, Volume 4. The full-length album, Live at Escape to the Lake, Volume 4, features exclusive performances from the 2017 retreat, including songs, by Branches, Andy Gullihorn, Jimmy A. Begg, and several more. Best of all, it's available for free, and any tips will 100% support UTR Media. Find Live at Escape to the Lake Volume 4 now on Noise Trade or at utrmedia.org. What a year it's been. Oh, we are truly grateful for all that God has done through UTR Media in 2017. And we think that with your help, 2018 could be our biggest year of ministry yet. November 24th through December 24th is Build-A-Thon 2017, a chance for you to get involved in UTR Media and help build this ministry for the future. Hey guys, Dave Radford here from the Grey Havens. My wife, Alicia, and I just wanted to throw our support into the mix for UTR Media. Uh, Sir Dave Trout, Captain at the Helm, all that they do for artists and listeners. We've been so uh, blessed and encouraged by them. Excited for what's ahead up in the next few months and coming year. Uh, we're just honored to support UTR Media personally. UTR Media is a 501c3 nonprofit ministry, and we can only continue to curate well crafted, faith inspired music with your help and support. Consider getting involved with a one time or monthly contribution during Build a Thon. 2017. More info is at utrmedia.org. While I was in Nashville last February, I stayed at the home of Christopher Williams, an outstanding singer-songwriter and a name you should seek out. And in case your search needs clarification, he's the acoustic folk dude, not the 90s R&B dude. Got it? (laughs) Anyway, Christopher said, why don't you use my home to have some UTR artists over and, you know, just have some snacks and conversation? Yes, awesome. I sent out some invites to some of our artist friends that we knew would be in town. Soon, I found myself eating chips and salsa with gourmet music royalty. Folks like Andrew Peterson, Nick Flora, Mitch Dane, Krista Wells, and Andy Osinga. It was awesome. (laughs) At the very end of our time together, I wanted to capture some interview content from the two Andrews. First up was Andrew Peterson. We had already had a, shall we say, spirited conversation about the name of our organization, which at the time was under the radar. Funny thing, even though I was pretty defensive that night, 
We ended up ultimately agreeing with Andrew and changing our name to UTR Media. Uh, a change that I think was the right move for the long haul. AP had also made a quip that night about wishing we would pull the plug on doing a Rich Mullins tribute album. At first I thought it might have been a joke or he was just messing with me, but as we privately made our way to the interview locale, Andrew made it clear that he wasn't joking. And he's one of the biggest and most important torch carriers of Rich Mullins' musical legacy. So it's fair to say his words carry a lot of weight. I think he wanted me to take pause, and it worked. (laughs) It actually kind of rattled me. After our interview time, we walked back to the dining room where I would say goodbye to Peterson and Usher Osenga for his interview. But first, the three of us talked more about this tribute album idea. And I think AP was just tired of having poorly executed tribute albums on behalf of musical legends. And I get it. But Andy Osenga said, They can be done well. Exhibit A, Strong Hand of Love, the Mark Hurd tribute. Eventually, AP said, Well, if you end up making a tribute album... Just make sure it doesn't suck. Here's Andy Osenga. There's been, there has been a long and um, non-illustrious list of tribute projects to various artists that we care deeply about that have been uh, half great at best. That doesn't do justice to the legacy of those artists that we care about. And so being people who've put a lot of work into records that have meant something to people and knowing that those artists, particularly in this case, rich Mullins, the worst way to honor him is with a half great project. Um, I think we've just been burned by being a parts of those, like sort of because of our passion for that kind of thing, we've been involved in projects that have been less than great and you're embarrassed to put your name on it. You're, it doesn't do justice to the legacy of that artist. And it's just like, man, we don't, want to do that and so i know i know that andrew was just one i think was feeling over not over was feeling very protective in that that evening and and that's probably based some of just other conversations we were having about other things too and just knowing that um uh it's easy for those things to get started and not finished well now with the luxury of time looking back i do have a better understanding of ap's perspective maybe even an appreciation or an empathy for it as well. But at the time, yes, I was a bit rattled. I have a deep respect for Andrew Peterson. In some ways, especially in the Rich Mullins universe, it's important to get the AP nod of approval. And here he was, not nodding, but shaking his head on the main reason I was in Nashville. Once again, here's Andrew Greer. So I remember us having dinner Maybe right after, or the night after, uh, there was a gathering at Christopher Williams' house that included Andrew Osenga, Andrew Peterson, God knows who else that didn't include me. Um, and <laughs> But I was happy to hear about it after the fact. And so uh, I remember at that dinner you being fairly frustrated and actually being like, I got to talk to you about something, which I love that, you know, that you could confide in me, your frustrations. But um, of course... 
you and Andrew Peterson have a long, you know, love affair. I mean, y'all love each other and support e- mutually supportive. But I know Andrew definitely, I think, has some perfectionist tendencies, and that would naturally come out when he's thinking about potentially one of his greatest musical influences, Rich Mullins, and then a tribute record with someone he loves, you, with an organization that he's very familiar with, then thinking about, at that point, the tribute album really being more a budget-oriented thing, so an acoustic-minded thing, which I think all of us agreed had it could have its space. Maybe it's more UTR audience space. But I think Andrew felt very protective. If I'm in Andrew's shoes, I would think I would feel very protective about that, about how it will be created, how it will be produced. And probably partially because Andrew would like to be involved in that, but who knows how much time Andrew has. I, I can't. I can't imagine all the feelings and things going through Andrew's mind, but all I knew is that definitely triggered you to be kind of frustrated about, maybe even feeling a little bit personally kind of picked at, a little bit to say like, well, would a UTR rich tribute not be legitimate? That's kind of what I sensed, is that there was this question of legitimacy, and you were saying, well, it can be done different ways, and potentially there's more than one out there even, tributes. So it's been interesting to see how that's played out. I I hate that you've felt discouraged about that and you know what what i heard was just oh man having been an artist who's been a part of projects like that and seeing and and seeing the final product and going oh man i I don't want to be associated with this thing part of what we've seen is that people's good hearts who don't know how don't have the experience to do that then end up just not knowing what they don't know and um i think that's what andrew was probably trying to articulate um yeah and so that's that's where i felt like well i I hear his I hear his concern born out of passion and I hear your passion and your excitement and I share all of those things yeah. and I feel like I might have the skills to be able to sort of navigate between those two. After I got done interviewing Andy, he said something I didn't expect. He said, let me help you. I, I want to help you make this tribute album. Can I be a part of this? I was like, man, how cool is that? I also know from the A&R perspective, having worked at a record label, sitting over records where you've got 18 million moving pieces and going, oh, you know what? I know how to do that. And that's a thing that just I don't think a lot of people have the experience to know how to do, not like I'm so great or whatever. Just like to know how to, how to navigate artists and their schedules and recording and recording costs and how, who's going to produce it and how you're dealing with the producers and how to, how are you going to deliver and what sort of things you're going to deliver and who's mixing and who's mastering and how are you going to, and what order are you doing all those things? And I just, I've walked through that a number of times. And so I know that's why I was like, just put my hand on your shoulder. I was like, Hey man, can I help? Cause that was my first entry into this. I didn't think that was going to mean, Hey, would you, um, I would love to produce this record. That's not what I was saying at the time was just, let me help, because I know how to help but oversee that kind of stuff. What? This sounds amazing. Almost too good to be true. But I know that I had just, only 24 hours earlier, asked Andrew Greer to sort of be the point person for me. So I needed to talk this over with him and make sure that this sounded like a good idea. And we both agreed Getting Andy Osenga on board would help this project immensely. Right at the same house meeting, whatever this little meeting of the minds was, Andrew Osenga really coming out of the woodwork saying, I'd love to be a part in some way, or can I help steward that maybe even in a way with he and 
Andrew Peterson being such good friends, knowing that would even be honoring of that, maybe even allow Andrew to be included, um, to give it an artistic bent, because Andrew Singer really had not been asked up until this tribute record, had, has not been asked to participate in a lot of Rich-influenced things around the 20th anniversary, and he was hugely influenced by Rich. Yeah, I think Andrew was probably, I think that was encouraging to you, Andrew was like, well, I'll step up, you know, and, and then you and I had already been talking about my role in that when it was more of an acoustic thing, and so that evolved me into, because from a sonic standpoint, I could produce an acoustic record probably pretty well, but a, a more cachet, rich tribute record, yeah, it's probably a little beyond me. I, I could speak into it, so then this kind of executive producer role was birthed, uh, just keeping things motivated, and so I was happy to be in that role, I think we'll all be speaking into the creative space, but um, Andrew Osenga definitely could pilot that better. Mr. Greer and Mr. Osenga are not the only two people that helped to rescue this boatload of optimism. Uh, The third voice came from an unexpected source. It just so happened that the day after that gathering at C-Dub's house, I had a scheduled meeting. And it was one that proved to be providential timing. It was my first time in person meeting legendary musician, renowned painter, and original member of the Ragamuffin Band, Jimmy Abag. Sometime in the spring of this year, I was introduced to Dave Trout through the Mosleys. We had a great time when he came to visit me on a surprise trip to Nashville. So Jimmy Abeg, you know, had his own series of projects, rich-related projects, called Be Gods, that he and Derek Webb were working on together through Pledge Music, which are, have still yet to come to life, or won't until 2018. But at that point in time, which this was February 2017, March 2017, somewhere in there, right, uh, there was a lot of energy around his projects because he was doing the Pledge Music campaign beforehand. Jimmy, of course, is just an amazing character, one of the most identifiable ragmuffins and one of the most identifiable characters in Rich's life in the 90s, you know, up until, you know, when he died. I've known Jimmy for years, and, of course, he's a visual artist. And, I mean, he's just a fascinating figure, sweetheart of an individual, not protective at all of his project and what was our project. And so you guys hooking up was really important, I think, to, one, we all respect Jimmy so much. That includes, you know, Andrew and Sang and I have talked about this. You and I have talked about this. How we would never want to step on Jimmy's toes. And if we're stepping on Jimmy's toes, that's a line you stop at um, and you figure out another way to do it. But Jimmy, just so open. In fact, you and I ended up meeting him. I was meeting him for the book, and you were meeting him to, just to talk about all these projects and how they work together, don't work together, etc. And I ended up meeting at his art studio right after you, kind of overlapping with you, which was funny because I didn't necessarily put you in touch with Jimmy. So yeah, and, and I think your experience with him was also pretty fantastic. Just his permission and freedom to pursue how you want to pursue this project, which then gives all of us the freedom to pursue it. I really couldn't believe where I was or what was happening to me. I got to hang out with the Jimmy Abag for over two hours. We swapped stories. He let me hold the original mixed media piece that became the Brothers Keeper album cover. I told him about my doubts about this tribute based on 
that recent conversation the night before, Jimmy calmed that inner storm. He is so sweet, one of the kindest souls, and really gave me a double dose of encouragement. The next day as I was driving to the airport, I took a moment to reflect. I came to Nashville just wanting to see some forward momentum on this album project. I left Nashville having met one of the original Ragamuffins and having not one, but two professional producers who are going to be helping this project. And these are both get-or-done kind of fellows. So I knew we were in good hands. I should mention that last episode, we chickened out on asking Andrew Peterson for a comment. But this time, we actually did try to connect with AP, but to no avail. I think he was traveling in Europe or something. Wait a second. It sounds like I'm needed. Oh, wow. Robot Andrew Peterson is back? That's right, baby. Robot AP is in the hizzle for shizzle. Great. So... Are you willing to give us a comment about our conversation back in February? I'm sorry, who is this again? <sighs> it's Dave. You know, Dave Trout. I know a lot of Dave Trouts. Just trying to recall. Oh, okay. Yeah. In that case, I'll just plead the fifth. No further comment. <sighs> well, this has been fruitful. I'd like to get back to my fish and chips lunch sometime this century. Okay, well, since you're with us, do you want to tell us about maybe some new music you're working on? Yes, thanks for asking. This is really exciting. I have this cool new song called High Enough. And get this, my main man, Propaganda, is on the track. Um, you just described a song by The Grey Haven. Uh, what? Oh yeah, that's right. My bad. In that case, I plead the fifth. No further comment. On the next episode of Release Date, the concept of a Rich Mullins tribute album gets pitched to a major record label in Nashville. Stick around after the credits to find out how you can win a brand new, factory-sealed, original vinyl copy of the 1982 LP Age to Age by Amy Grant. Release Date is a production of UTR Media. This episode was hosted and produced by me, Dave Trout. Special thanks to Andrew Greer, Jimmy Abeg, Andy Osenga, Jason Gray, CCM Magazine's Features on Film, The Ragamuffin Archives, And, wow, sorry once again, Andrew Peterson. You know I still love you. Check out our sister podcasts. Search UTR Media on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher to find Green Room Door, Good Patron, or the Gourmet Music Podcast. Also available at utrmedia.org. Again, I'm Dave Trout. Talk to you next time on Release Date. Don't touch that dial, homie. We all know the real reason you are listening. You want that free Amy Grant swag.
Well, here's your limited chance to make that happen. Post a rating or review of this show on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or wherever you listen. If you do that by November 30th, 2017, you will be entered into a drawing for the Vintage Vinyl LP by Amy Grant. The winner will be announced soon. So hurry. May the odds be ever in your favor. Now, where was I? Oh yes. Fish and chips. And a pint of, um, root beer. Yeah, that's a ticket.